blink and you might miss it. The tiny country of Andorra sits high in the Pyrenees mountain ranges, the historical borderlines between France and Spain. But how did it get there? And why was it not gobbled up by one of the two empires it was sandwiched between? All this and more in the footnote version of today's Anthology of Heroes, Andorra, Charlemagne's Last Rump State. In this episode, I will not be going through the life of Charlemagne. He's one of the most famous people to have existed, and there are countless podcasts and books that cover his life. Instead, this will focus on the bizarre history of the March of Barcelona, a large buffer zone created by the Carolingians that spanned the Pyrenees mountain ranges, with modern Andorra being the last piece of this historically interesting area. Before we dive into Andorra, though, give me a few minutes to take you back through the political landscape at the time of its creation. In the early 5th century, a Germanic tribe known as the Vandals managed to break away from the withering Western Roman Empire. The Vandals made a name for themselves as a force to be reckoned with, fending off several attempts to be taken back into the fold of the Western Roman Empire before finally succumbing to the attempts of reconquest by Byzantine Emperor Justinian I. Although Justinian would have the glory of claiming back long-lost Roman territory, it was short-lived. The conquest of North Africa, as well as other old Roman territories, put immense strain on the imperial budget, and soon after his death, the province was broke and lacking any real defences from external enemies. Heavily contrasting this decrepit and sad state was the Umayyad Caliphate, an Islamic empire that was spreading like wildfire westwards across northern Africa. When the Umayyads crashed through the shaky Byzantine holdouts, they were easily overrun, and not long after they crossed the Strait of Gibraltar into Spain. By 711, they had established a foothold in southern Spain, rebranding their new territory as Al-Andalus. Just like in northern Africa, the Umayyads and their Islamic faith spread north quickly through Spain. The small and isolated Christian cities were either quickly overrun by force or by diplomacy, and soon almost all of Spain was absorbed into the Umayyad Caliphate. Meanwhile, all of this was being keenly observed by France. Unlike Spain, France, or Francia, thrived after the fall of the Western Roman Empire. They were blessed with a string of talented rulers known as the Carolingians, and thanks to them, the borders of Francia extended past the modern borders of France into Germany, Switzerland, and Italy. French territory had already expanded east as far as they could go, and now they had their eye on the Pyrenees mountain ranges. Once again, that's the modern borders between France and Spain. While this territory was nominally part of Francia, the lords of these regions were pretty much independent, something you can imagine the Francian nobility were looking to change. When the Umayyads continued their expansion north of the Pyrenees and into France, the local lords were left high and dry by Francian nobility. The wealthy city of Toulouse was besieged in 721 and Narbonne in 737. Both times the rulers begged aid from France and both times they were ignored, the Carolingians seeing this as a great opportunity for some spring cleaning of old political rivals. After letting these important cities fall to siege, the new French king, Charles the Bald, sent an army to retake the towns, but this time in his name. Fearsome as the Umayyads were, they had overextended themselves by pushing so far into France. The garrisons quickly fell, and Charles was quick to install vassals who would be loyal to him, raising a man humorously named Wilfred the Hairy to govern the newly won provinces. This area Wilfred governed roughly encompassed the Roman state of Septimania, the Duchy of Aquitaine, and the Duchy of Gascony. The whole area was to become known as Marca Hispanica, or the March of Barcelona. 
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of the new Medal of Honor podcast from Evergreen Podcasts, brought to you in partnership with the National Medal of Honor Museum. In each three-minute episode, we'll learn about a different service member who distinguished him or herself through an act of valor. We'll include stories from the Civil War to Iraq and Afghanistan, and from all branches of the military. We'll talk about service members who were overlooked for the medal at first due to their race or religion, and about those who were celebrated at the time. We'll hear stories of soldiers like Audie Murphy, future Hollywood star who mounted a burning tank to hold off German infantry in World War II. And people like Dr. Mary Edwards Walker, a Civil War Army doctor and the only woman to receive the Medal of Honor so far. Learn about these heroes and more wherever you get your podcasts. Charles's plan had worked, though Myers had done his work for him. Southern France was now full of vassals loyal to him, and the Umayyads had been given a bloody nose. The rulers of the March of Barcelona would remain loyal to Francia for around a hundred years, until the end of the Carolingian dynasty, when Wilfred the Hairy's great-great-grandson, Borel II, would be rejected when requesting aid from the new dynastic king of Francia, Hugh Capet. After this rejection, Borel II would turn to the Pope and even the Islamic Caliph for support instead of France. After the rise of the new ruling dynasty, loyalty to Francia was touch and go for the March of Barcelona. For the new Capet dynasty, they had bigger issues. After Charlemagne's death, a civil war had ended up splitting the French kingdom into three. Ensuring loyalty from the Marches of Barcelona became a second priority in comparison to unifying the old borders of the kingdom. Left to their own devices, the local lords of the March of Barcelona began to bicker amongst themselves. The necessity of remaining unified against Islam was becoming redundant. The Umayyads had been overthrown in 750, and the new Abbasid Caliph struggled to exert authority in the furthest reaches of their empire, such as Al-Andalus. A man named Aban al-Rahman I had managed to take advantage of this chaos, and had become the de facto ruler of a now independent Al-Andalus that was cut off from the rest of the Islamic world. During this time, trade flourished between Islamic Spain and Western Europe, Scientific advances, technology, and administrative practices eventually made their way into Western Europe from this strange roundabout route. However, despite these advancements, Islam was on the decline in Spain. With the breaking of the old centralized power, individual lords began to look out for their own personal interests, interests that more and more aligned with those of the Christians compared to their Islamic cousins across the Strait of Gibraltar. What history would later call the Reconquista was in full swing. So, what did happen to the March of Barcelona? You've hardly mentioned Andorra at all. Well, as I said, the minor lords of the region tended to look out for their best interests. As time went on, these interests were usually aligned with either Spain or France, and subsequently their small pockets of land were swallowed up by the growing empires. So why didn't this happen to Andorra? Well, the story is that Charlemagne gifted the lands that make up Andorra to the Count of Urgul for his service defending the French lands from the Umayyad raids into France. Simple enough, right? Well, here's where it gets complicated. The Count of Urgul traded the lands of Andorra to the Diocese of Urgul, another minor lord. However, upon this trade, Andorra had no military protection, and not long after, the Count of Urgul decided he wanted it back, as you do. In need of protection against the indecisive Count, the Diocese of Urgul reached out to Lord Cabaret, another regional lord, who agreed to defend Andorra if he could have co-ownership of it, which was agreed. The claim of Andorra was passed down through several marriages in the Lord Cabot's family, 
ending up in the hands of another southern French minor lord. Over the years, the claim of Andorra was passed around like an iPhone charger at a house party until it ended up with the King of France. I know what you're thinking, but France doesn't have a king anymore, so this ridiculous charade must have come to an end. Oh, definitely not. Andorra still has co-princes. One is the unchanged Diocese of Urgul, and the other is none other than the President of France, Emmanuel Macron. Do you want to know the best bit? Up until 1993, and some sources say this continues now, Andorra would continue to pay tribute, that's a fee in exchange of protection, to the French president on the odd years and the Diocese of Urgul on the even years. As per the agreement, France got the equivalent of 460 US dollars, while the Spanish claimant got 12 US dollars, six hams, six wheels of cheese, and six live chickens. I think I'll take the cash. A huge thank you to the show's Patreon supporters, Claudia, Tom, Malcolm, and Roll. A lot of people don't realize this, but this is a one-man show, so there's a big chunk of time that goes into research, writing, editing, and all that. I love sharing these stories, and it means a lot knowing you guys are enjoying them. Your contributions help me keep the lights on, sound libraries, web hosting, books, and all that. If you're not a patron already, we've got some really cool rewards, like having the option to read out some of the quotes we use in our episodes. If you want to go have a look, tap the link in our bio. I'm Alison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast.